Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. I don't know if it's just me. Have you noticed that everyone is anxious nowadays? More impatient? I think we complain more than we used to. We're angrier. We disappoint easier. We're quicker to take offense and slower to give praise. We have a shorter fuse. We have more expectations of people who are less able to deliver on those expectations, whether they're our loved ones or advisors, clients or colleagues. You know, you might want that contract now, but the attorney is working from home without an assistant. There's only so much that a teacher can do on Zoom. The times have done this to us. We're being stretched to our limits. There's so much social, political, and economic turmoil. Most of us are living under considerable pressure, our lives jarringly upended. Even those whose employment has not suffered, still the hardships accumulate over time. We feel the pressure in our own lives and in the lives of those who we're close to. And while this week brought some good news on the vaccine, allowing us a glimpse of the faint light at the end of the tunnel, still, we are entering into a deepening and darkening winter corridor that will test our resilience more than ever. Rabbis interact with dozens, hundreds of people. We see the results of this tension that's been accumulating. In fact, I often share with rabbinic colleagues that our role, even in good times, is to allow people to vent, to be a kind of a shock absorber for crisis and pain. And I advise people, especially now, you know, let the congregants vent on you. Just suck it up. It's our job. It's been nine months of living this way. No wonder people are less patient, more demanding, and sometimes, frankly, more infuriating to us. If you feel this way, either on the receiving end of other people's expectations or on the giving end of irritability and impatience, it's understandable. But try to be a little more patient. If you find yourself unusually irritated and annoyed with your partners, with your parents, children, colleagues, friends, random people on the street who say, simply refuse to wear masks, try to step back for a brief moment and ask yourself, am I too impatient, too demanding, too critical? Have I given at least some thought about what that person might be going through? Perhaps the person I'm mad at? frustrated with, disappointed in, is herself carrying a heavy burden. Perhaps he is staggering under the weight of it all. This week's Torah portion, Chayei Sarah, offers valuable Jewish wisdom for anxious times. After his beloved wife, Sarah, dies, Abraham knows that now is the time to set the future of the family and, by implication, the future of the nation in order. 
So he instructs his faithful servant, Eliezer, to find a wife for Abraham's son, Isaac. Do not take a wife for my son from the women of Canaan, Abraham insisted. Go to the land of my birthplace and there find a wife for Isaac. Abraham didn't describe the qualities of the woman that Eliezer should choose. There's only one condition that she not be local from Canaan. There's no other qualification cited by Abraham. This man of faith believes in his faithful servant, Eliezer. He assumes that the faithful servant, Eliezer, will know what to do. Now think about it. Eliezer becomes now among the most critical figures in all of Jewish history. The covenant between God and Abraham, the promise to become the father of a great nation as numerous as the stars in the heavens, is entirely dependent on Isaac. And Isaac's future is now entirely entrusted to one man, Eliezer, Abraham's faithful servant. When Eliezer arrives at his destination in the city of Nahor, he made his camels kneel by the city's well at evening time. That was the time of day that the women would come to the well. And Eliezer devised a simple character test to find the right woman for Isaac. The young woman to whom I will say, Hatina kadech ve'eshte, please lower your jar and let me drink. And she responds, Shte, drink, and I will also water your camels. She is the woman for Isaac. Eliezer's test has three components to it. First, Eliezer will say to the woman, Atina Kadech, lower your jar. Second, he will say to the woman, lower your jar so that I can drink. And third, the woman would not only lower the jar for Eliezer to drink, but would also volunteer herself to water Eliezer's camels. A burdensome, unexpected, and time-consuming task. I mean, the answer to this question is obvious nowadays, but even in antiquity, shouldn't this man water his cam own camels? It would be an extraordinary act of kindness and generosity if a woman who was a stranger to Eliezer offered not only a drink for this traveler, but would take the time to water all of his camels as well, you know. Those camels drink a lot of water. But when Rebecca, the woman he ultimately chooses, arrives at the well at evening time, Eliezer changes the test in two subtle ways. First, he says to Rebecca, Hagmini na me'at main mikadech. Please give me a little water from the jar. Rather than asking the woman to pour a drink for him, Eliezer actually says to Rebecca, give me a little water, me'at mine, a sip of water. And he does not say to her, lower your jar. The implication is that he would take Rebecca's jar of water, which is heavy, and lower it himself so he can take a drink. Rebecca ends up fulfilling the terms of the original test. She quickly lowered her jar herself, and Eliezer drinks to his fill, 
not only a sip of water. And she also watered the camels to their fill. But the question remains, why did Eliezer change his original test in these two subtle ways? Why, when he actually saw Rebecca, did he ask her not for a drink, but a little sip, me'at mine? And why did he no longer expect that, he, that she lower her jar herself? One commentator answers in this way. Eliezer asked for less than the original conditions that he devised because he was afraid that Rebecca would not fulfill the original strict conditions that he set. And therefore, in order to not take the risk of losing Rebecca, Eliezer minimized his conditions as much as possible. What a gorgeous commentary. Once Eliezer saw Rebecca, he relaxed his test and lowered his expectations. He realized that it's one thing to devise a test of character on paper. It's quite another thing to condition any relationship to our own standards, high standards, standards of perfection. In a vacuum, we may lay out a series of conditions and expectations for our loved ones, colleagues, friends, or fellow citizens. But people are not multiple choice answers to our own subjectively devised achievement tests. Rebecca fulfilled the original terms, but that wasn't the point. The point was that Eliezer no longer expected that she fulfill the original terms. When he saw her, he immediately relaxed his predetermined standards. He realized that if you insist on holding people accountable to your subjective standards, they will disappoint you time after time, especially if your standards are unrealistic. You yourself probably don't abide by the standards that you hold others to. Relationships are real, not virtual or algorithmic. Many people, especially nowadays, are carrying heavy jugs, burdens that they can barely accommodate on their own. If you expect those in relationship with you to lower their heavy jars for you or to bear your burdens on top of their own burdens, you'll never have the kind of relationship you want or expect. Do your best to understand what others are experiencing. They may be carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. Help them. Help them to lower the jar, the heavy jug that they're carrying. Don't expect to drink your fill. Maybe just a little sip might be better, especially during these stressful times. Amen.